0: Daniel 6, verse 1 in Aramaic is actually the last verse of chapter 5. Um, I wanted you to, to, to see that the two chapters um, are connected uh, uh, by, the, by the author completely, as if it should be one long chapter with two stories. The death of Belshazzar leading into this incident with Darius and the lion's den. They're, they're absolutely connected. One long account and story. Um, And so in in Aramaic, this chapter is off by a verse. Because what we call Daniel 6.2 is Daniel 6.1 in my Hebrew Aramaic Bible. So um, they are are connected directly that way. I'm just going to read and start talking. uh, Because there's a lot to talk about today, if you don't mind. We're just going to move. It seemed like a good plan to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. What's a satrap? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, it's some kind of a governing ruler guy. Do uh, Yeah, supervisor. Um, and uh, uh, 120 in the book of Esther, when we're in the same kingdom, this is now Medo-Persia. Uh, the number jumps in a, in a gener- uh, about 40, 30 years to 127 in the book of Esther. And I have read that later, maybe 100 years later, right before Alexander the Great's time, who conquered this kingdom, um, the number jumps up to 300 and some. So satraps are over the local regions or the regional governors or the districts or what have you. That's what a satrap kind of is. And there seem, there seem to have been local guys and distant guys. Daniel was one of the local guys. Um, so they were to rule throughout the kingdom and above them would be three supervisors. The King James Version called them the presidents, the three presidents. Kind of like that word there. And Daniel was one of them. So Daniel's one of the top guys, uh, to whom these satraps would report so that the king would not suffer any loss. And we could discuss what kind of loss the king might suffer, but it would be either financial or just the governing power. Um, There needed to be good communication, right? Just as there does in any chain of command, we have to have good communication. Are we going to grandma's this Christmas? Are we having Christmas at church this year? Can we celebrate uh, you know, worship services in our churches? So whether it's family or congregational or more regional or statewide, there's got to be good communication so we all know what's going on, right? Um, but before we go on with the text now, I want to go back up to the top line of this, of this verse and ask the question, who was Darius the Mede? Because, you know, who is this guy? Um, here are the, uh, the list of, of, of Achaemenid or Medo-Persian kings. Three slides, I believe. Maybe four. Cyrus I, Cambyses. Cyrus II, that's Cyrus the Great. Followed by Cambyses II. And a guy who may have been an imposter named Gautama. We can talk about him a little bit later. But it is not Gautama Buddha. However, Gautama Buddha lived at the same time. That makes it confusing. And I have had Wells teachers email me, call me, asking me if this could be Buddha. No, Gautama at this time period was a name about as common as George. So it's it's just a fairly common name in the Persian Empire. The list continues with Darius the Great. Xerxes I, that's the king in the book of Esther. Artaxerxes, Xerxes II, a guy whose name I think was Sogdianus, but his kingly name has been lost, so I don't know. That was his birth name. Uh, Darius II, three guys named Artaxerxes, each with a number, another Darius and another Artaxerxes. Of all of these, who is the Darius of our text And the answer is, I think he is, uh, forgive me, but I think he's Cyrus II, Cyrus the Great. And there are a couple of reasons for this. Uh, Some have to do with the text. Some have to do with other things. The reason is the dates work chronologically with Cyrus to be Darius. And something else. At the end of the chapter, we have this verse. The reign of Darius that is during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, this is not what the NIV says. This is what the EHV says. The NIV says the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Making it sound like they're two guys. But the NIV has a little footnote that says or could be the reign of Darius that is during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So... Um, this is something you can do with Greek and with Hebrew and with Aramaic um, the, the, the conjunction and can be explanatory and not necessarily just an equal sign um, um, or in a, and I'm sorry a plus sign in addition to it can be an equal sign that is it, it explains the one as the other this happens in First Timothy 1.1 Aaron, you want to share that verse with us? First, Timothy 1 Timothy 1. 1.1 It's a good example in Greek of this happening, this kind of an of an and. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. So God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. And earlier we had a Christ uh, uh, an apostle of of Christ Jesus, so in the verse we have Christ Jesus, God our hope, Christ Jesus. In the in the verse, they're all the same individual in the verse in First Timothy one one, and the and says that God our hope is also Christ, Christ Jesus our our oh God our Savior. I'm sorry, is also Christ Jesus our hope. Um, So that's an example of of an and being an equal sign, not a plus sign. Does that make sense? Clear as mud? Okay, let's jump back into our text. So uh, you can disagree with me, but I'm saying that it makes the most sense to me, archaeologically, historically, and so forth, that these are the same guy. Okay? It came about that this Daniel distinguished himself above the supervisors and satraps, or presidents and satraps in the King James, because there was an outstanding spirit in him. So the king intended to promote him so that he would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Um, This is pretty cool. Daniel's going to get bumped up to the number two spot. The king intended to promote Daniel so he would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Daniel is going to get promoted from the number three spot to the number two spot Darius is about, Darius had just killed Belshazzar, and Darius is planning on promoting Daniel up to Belshazzar's position. That's what's happening. What will this do for all of the other satraps? They will get mad, jealous, envious, murderous, and so forth. So, Then the supervisors and satraps kept trying to find a basis for an accusation against Daniel in regard to his administration of the kingdom. However, they were unable to come up with an accusation or any evidence of corruption because he was trustworthy, and no neglect of duty or evidence of corruption could be found against him. Can you imagine being Daniel and having to write this down about yourself? This was my Kingly performance review. There was no evidence of corruption. I think Daniel writes this very carefully. Trustworthy, no neglect of duty or evidence of corruption could be found against me, him. That's, that's kind of how he has to write this down. I also kind of wonder about the satraps who were accusing him. Because remember, they have the same job. And so they're looking for evidence of corruption and neglect of duty. What does that tell you about them, Probably. Yeah, they were guilty of, of what they wanted to find in Daniel. They probably were corrupt and derelict in their duty. And so I kind of wonder if they started to poke Daniel and then they decided we shouldn't poke him too much because if we do, someone's going to poke us in the same way. And I don't want anybody to poke me uh, and fi- find out what's wrong with me in comparison to the glowing report of, of, uh, of what's happening with Daniel. So I think they stopped And then they said, then these men said, we will not find any accusation to bring against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of God. Uh, Of his God, rather. So, uh, uh, unable to find anything wrong with him as far as his government duties were concerned, they decide to go after him uh, according to his religion. And there are things we could say about this, but it's pretty typical um, of probably Christians all through history, um, that when someone decides to go after a Christian, becomes jealous, he begins to dig far more deeply than he would dig for anybody else, Um, tries to probe far more thoroughly than he would for anybody else, just because the individual is a Christian. And non-Christians have a habit of saying, he calls himself a Christian and he also does what? And things that if it were just the guy's next door neighbor, he would never even bat an eyelash about. Um, but I found this in, in my lifetime with friends, with family, with, uh, with uh, neighbors of, of our members and so forth, that not my neighbors, Herb. Oh. You guys moved away long ago. Peace in our neighborhood. At no, I'm just, no. I do miss the tree. I miss that tree, that that uh, that uh, 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 walnut tree. I missed. It was a, the moment Herb and Joanne moved. The walnut tree came down from the new neighbor, and it was just sad. Oh, oh, oh. Back to verse six. Okay. That's just sad. All right. So these supervisors and satraps came as a group to the king and said to him, Darius, you're mad. Do you say Darius or Darius? Because I don't care. But uh, it's up to you. You say Darius? Yeah. That's okay. So the west half of the room says Darius. And the east half of the room says Darius. Are we also subdivided somewhat by youth and vigor? I don't know, Annie. <laughs> well, well <thank> you. <laughs> you're welcome. And Marcus Borderline, right down the middle. Just both, both sides. <laughs> Darius, your majesty, may you live forever. That's, it. Um, that's not a Christian prayer. That's just a, the way that people talk to uh, 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 Persian kings. That's just how you walked up to the guy. All the supervisors of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the advisors and the governors advise the king to establish and enforce a decree that prohibits anyone to pray a prayer to any god or person for 30 days except you, your majesty. Anyone who does so will be thrown into the den of lions. Wow, that's a long statement. It's a long verse. It's a long run-on sentence. Who can explain this in better English? If you're going to pray, you have to pray to the king, right? For how long? 30 days days for a month. Um, Now, there's some curious things about this verse. Uh, First of all, there were 120 just satraps. And this is the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and the governors. How many, how big of a subset is this? Do you think they really all were in on it? I I kind of wonder. <laughs> For one thing, all of the satraps who accuse Daniel at the end of the chapter will be killed by lions. Spoiler alert. In the same event. So I don't know how many lions were in that pit, but I don't know if it was more than 120. That'd be a lot of lions and... Uh, well, we're getting we're getting there, Annie. Okay, so if Daniel is number two, <laughs> they were bad men. That is my answer. They were bad men. You haven't seen enough black and white Western TV shows. <laughs> well, these were these were not the guy leading the wagon train. These were the bad men. Um, these are the guys who sat on the on the outside during the haircut. Yeah, these were... Did Daniel know what was going on? Daniel didn't know about this going on. I mean, I don't think he knew about this going on. He wouldn't have said yes to this. And actually, Darius shouldn't have said yes to this. We're going to come into that too. But I think this is... this. I When, when, when this verse says that in their quotation, all of us agreed, um, if it were not a quotation, I would say it's hyperbole, they're exaggerating but because it's a quotation, I get to say something else about them. I don't think they were just exaggerating. I think they were lying. Yeah, I think they were lying. So I think that their pants are on fire. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and there are some other things. They, 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 they pressure the king to do this. Now, Um. I know that at other times I've said maybe it took so long to read the decree that Darius had signed it before they got to the fine print. I think I misspoke there. We are are going to find out that Darius heard it, agreed, and then signed it. So he does hear the whole thing and agree to it. But maybe this was what uh, one commentator talks about as an unguarded moment. I'm going to come to that. But notice that they do talk about Throwing him into the den of lions, whoever it is who disagrees with this, and can you imagine though? Do you remember a guy in the in the book of Judges uh, named Jephthah making a vow? What was his vow? The first thing or person who comes out of my house, I will sacrifice to the Lord, and it turns out to be his daughter. Um, now, these guys say whoever doesn't pray to the, whoever says a prayer that's not to the, you, O oh, king, will be thrown to the den of lions. Well, George the satrap, what if it's your wife or your son? What, what are they doing? You know, they're not thinking through this very, what if one of them forgets? You know, I, I, this is not a very good idea, this, this whole thing. And with regard to a den of lions, maybe I should just talk about this now. Did, was this a typical way of executing people in ancient times? Well, Cyrus the Great and other kings of the Achaemenid Persian dynasty. Cyrus had been king of Anshan and his father Cambyses and uh, his father Cyrus um, had, had all been kings of Anshan. Anshan is where if you you go to Iraq, which is Babylon, and you keep going to the east, you're now in what country? Iran. Iran. And what's kind of east and a little bit north of Iran? Big country. Afghanistan. That's right. And there are very few divisions, political boundaries, mountain ranges, rivers. It's kind of like up to this point in the grass is this country. And up to that point in the grass is that country. And it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what belongs to who. And so what do they do all the time there? They fight. Yeah. And they fight a lot. And it was in Anshan where they began to first use horses. Not just pulling things, like in Egypt and so forth, like chariots. But guys on horses, riding around and that was terrifying shock troops that was as as spectacular as army tanks or jet fighters or atom bombs guys on horseback fighting was new and terrifying and Cyrus and his men were good at this they even learned to shoot bow and arrow from a horse from horseback so this was this is why they were so good and why they won wars and battles and things and they kind of had to in the grasslands And it was an awful lot like people in another country who had lots and lots of grassland and learned to use horses and bows and arrows. Um, And horses were kind of new to the Americas when that happened. You know who brought horses over to America? The Spaniards. Yeah, the Spaniards. So that's kind of a new thing. You know, Native Americans did not have horses to ride around on prior to the conquistadors showing up. And they got good at it fast, didn't they? They got really good at it. Um, and so anyway, Cyrus got good at this. But in also in that territory, they liked to do things with animals. And they liked to they liked to have zoos. They would dig a pit or have some kind of a big mound with a hollowed out inside. And they kept wild animals there. And horses and other things like Lions, and tigers, and elephants, and rhinoceroses, and camels, and bears, and herds of deer, and antelope, and things, and stuff, uh, bears and things from up in the Scythian, um, uh, 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 Scythia is where today they, they go in Russia when they're in trouble, um, thank you, Siberia, that's Scythia, and uh, they, so they had these big parks, these big game preserves filled with wild animals, and I think when Darius and, his, and, and the ones who came after him got to Babylon and set up shop there as king, they brought like a miniature version of this along with them and set up these little game parks. But that's how you punish people. And how did the Romans do it? Throw them into the Colosseum, right? And throw them to the wild animals. And sometimes it was lions And there's one scene, have I shared this with you? Where there was a Roman governor who was really upset at somebody. I think it had to do with his wife and a, you know, a lover or something. And the guy got into the arena. He was sentenced to face the animals in the arena. And up came the portcullis. And what was the wild animal who came out? A bunny rabbit. So sometimes he just wanted to scare him. And wow, did he ever scare him. Uh, So sometimes it was... Uh, A leopard, and sometimes it was a lion, and sometimes it was a bunny. Yeah, so, den of lions. All right. Now, this whole idea of Darius being God for a month, let's remember, how could he ever agree to it? Well, it wasn't his idea. And it may have been, as a couple commentators have said, an unguarded moment. Are you always at the top of your game every moment of every day? Sometimes not, right? And it might have been that they got him at a, one of those unguarded moments, like, just sign this, okay. You know, I think of Colonel Blake saying, what am I signing radar? Oh, don't worry about it, sir. You know, I'll sign it anyway, and that kind of thing. Uh, it also was not a new idea. There are a lot of precedents in a lot of cultures. The Ethiopians, the Egyptians, the Ptolemies in Egypt, the Seleucids up in Syria, the Herods, the Caesars, all had the idea that a human being could be a son of the gods and therefore could be prayed to because they didn't take prayer the way we do it, but just you prayed to anybody you thought would be helpful, whatever God it might happen to be. And so from Darius' perspective, oh, they're just going to pray to me for a while because I'll be the most helpful for this month and, and something like that. Um, there, there's, there's something, and, and so a conclusion is often... That this was just diabolical cunning on the part of Daniel's enemies. That they just came up with a thing that might be useful uh, with Darius. But also, something about Persian worship that was kind of uncovered in the 1970s, is that Persian worship, and we have documents from Persia. It's, they're, it, they're not like the cultures that were before, where there isn't a lot of writing. We have a lot of writing from the Persians. And Persian worship focused almost entirely on prayer Prayer almost as magic. Prayer as um, something that was considered to be irresistible for everybody. You prayed all the time. And the people were led to believe that prayer, that, 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 that the rising up of their prayers were the pillars that held together the universe. And if you stopped praying, the whole world might collapse. That you had to pray and pray and pray for stuff to happen. And otherwise, things would not happen. And if you died, it's probably because you didn't pray enough or something along those lines. So everything was all about prayer all the time. And that, therefore, Daniel's enemies, because everything was all about prayer, it makes sense that their attack on Daniel would be about prayer rather than some other aspect of of Daniel's religion that they just didn't understand. So something about prayer and Daniel. And they also knew that Daniel prayed. We're going to see that in a little bit. But... You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.